Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio, and boy, do we have two different games to talk about today. I'm your host, Greg, and before we get started, I want to remind all of you to check out our Twitter feed at WDR Podcast. That's WDR is in Wheeler Dealer Radio, and leave us some nice five-star reviews, because something good should happen to a Tottenham fan today. Now, without further ado, I want to get to our co-host this week. First of all, as always, we have uh, from the slopes of South Florida, it is Brian Ashlock. Brian, uh, you know, after today's performance against Manchester United, I think it's worth considering, uh, what team are you going to root for after today's game? Well, uh, Musa Sissoko is uh, currently plying his trade in Ligue 1 in France, and he plays for Nantes. And uh, so I'm a big Nantes fan now. Is that, are you saying honestly, it correctly? Or are Musa you... Sissoko in my life would be significantly better than whatever the fuck this was. And, you know, you know what you get from Musa Sissoko. It's a warm, comforting embrace. With his shoulder. Yeah, I mean, obviously. <laughs> can't believe VAR didn't pull that back. And next up, filling in for uh, Ben Daniels this week, it is uh, a debut for Joel Wertheimer. Joel, welcome to the podcast. Good to be here. Uh, so, uh, What team are you going to support in the wake of today's performance? I, I will be supporting whatever team is playing Roma, because if Tottenham can't make me happy, then I need Jose Mourinho to be sad. He is an awful piece of shit. And, you know, I, I was way ahead of the curve on this because I adopted a Real Betis a few years ago when I went to Spain, and they whipped the shit out of Roma twice. Or at least they beat the shit out of Roma in Rome, and then they drew them in uh, Seville. But that was kind of fun to watch. Uh, I have found myself adopting Udinese a little bit. Uh, you a big Udogi you know, fan? yeah. We've got to look at the prospects, and he's really fun, and we are not. So uh, <laughs> maybe we can have a wing back that can get up and down the pitch and actually dribble. Yeah, that's a really underrated aspect of American sports culture that I, I wish that uh, European football would bring in is the appreciation for prospect watching. Like, you know, I, I, I look, I understand we don't want to have to all be clued into the under-18 teams, but, like, we should be watching, like, you know, some of these kids play. Uh, like, we should be watching the under-whatever national teams. And then, you know, if you're watching your players on loan, like Udaji or however we're saying his name. I mean, if I didn't have to log on to, like, the Pirate Bay or whatever, I'd definitely watch more Portsmouth games. Um, you know, see how he's doing or, you know, Preston North End or whoever. I mean, it is fun to watch these guys on loan. I know uh, our friend Vince uh, made, like, a hobby of watching Norwich the year that Skip was there. So, I mean, it's a fun thing to do, especially if your team is not maybe playing so well right now. Which is a great transition, because Tottenham did not play very well against Manchester United. Um, I feel like these two games that we're going to talk about this week, which is the Everton, we won 2-0 at Everton, um, and then we lost 2-0 at um, at, Man- at Man- against Manchester United. I-, I think these are 
it's, it's a bit of a study in contrast, and maybe there's problems that run through both of them. But Joel, I'll start with you since you're this is your first time on the show. But I, I thought like really going from the first game against Frankfurt through that Everton game, you were really starting to see Spurs. I, I don't know, putting something together might be too strong of a term, but there was certainly a quality of the performances that I think you could hang some sort of hat on, and that all went out the window today, so it was a little frustrating to see all that progress kind of just evaporate in a puff of smoke. Yeah, I mean, even, I mean, it, look, even the fir- until the, the card against Arsenal, like, that was one of our better performances away at Arsenal, then we outplayed Frankfurt. Uh, and drew, and the Brighton game was a little grindy, but then we whooped on Frankfurt the second time and should have won 3-1. And then we had, I think, our best half of the season against Everton in the second half, Um, you know, for the first time turning the screws and just possessing the ball and sort of battering, ramming until, you know, something went in or we got the the penalty. Uh, And then today was awful. Uh, and, you know, look, if we can just actually beat up the bad teams, that would be great. Like, you know... I mean, that was the meat and potatoes of the Pochettino era. But this is That's the thing. Is we hadn't been doing that this season either. Um, we'd been winning, but we hadn't been, you know, really beating up the bad teams. Um, so, like, that was, for me, the, the match against Frankfurt and then the match against Everton. Like, I mean, you know, looking at it here, we had... 4.9 XG for us and 1.8 XG for them. Like, we were really, over those two matches, we were really playing well in terms of beating teams we should beat. Um, and we just played like shit today. Well, I think, too, and Brian, I'm curious what you think of this. The thing that struck me about the Frankfurt match and then the Everton match, and admittedly, these are certainly in Everton's case against a bad team and. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to watch a ton of Bundesliga, but I don't think Frankfurt's very good. I think they're worse than Everton. So, but but my point is, even though they're bad teams, we've played bad teams this year, and we haven't had a ton of control. These are two matches where Spurs, I think, really, for long, if not for very long stretches of both of those matches, I think really just controlled the game. And using the 3-5-2 for a lot of it, and we didn't have anything resembling control today against, against United. Yeah, I and and I think you know we were calling for more three five two after the Everton match, and Conte gave it to us and was like, "Here you go, fuckers," and just said, "Here's why I don't do it." Um, I don't know. It, it was it was weird. I I have to wonder if this is like a home and away type situation. Uh, all the all the big games that we've played, you know, United, Arsenal. Chelsea, they've all been away from home, and we have really struggled in those matches. Um, we're unbeaten in our last, what, nine at home or 11 at home. It's some, something crazy they flashed up during the Everton game. And so I have to wonder if we're just on the road that our style kind of creates problems, where if we sit back and we drop back and we invite pressure and we don't have, like, our fans to kind of like drive us forward if then that psychologically does something i don't know i'm really like 
grasping at straws here trying to find explanations because it's the same personnel, it's the same tactics, it's just the application is worse. I've been, like, trying to... It is... I mean, it's definitely the case. Like, look, yes, we played our toughest, you know, matches have all been on the road. It's not like we were supposed to win today, even if we are better than United. Like, you know, at Old Trafford, we are not favored to win. It was basically, like, an even odds to, you know, match. I do wonder if, you know, the refs... You know, you get a better whistle at home. We rely a lot on outfalls to Kane and Son. And if they can get kicked and pushed without getting a call, if that's why we've been struggling on the road, if it makes it more difficult for us to play out to our our forwards. But at the same time, it didn't feel today like Kane was getting, you know, kicked and not getting a whistle. Like, this was... It's not like he was getting bullied. I think this this was a match that was within the realms of what you would expect at a big away match. Like, I don't think we got job today. And I'm very, I'm not Vince, who thinks the refs are all out to get everyone. But I, I you know, I, I generally get a little aggrieved at officiating. And I think this season in particular that I've been, partic- I, I have felt that we have gotten a lot of raw deals from referees. I don't think we particularly got a raw deal today. I think this match felt different than a lot of our matches this year. And maybe I'm saying that because I don't have a lot of respect for United. Um, and maybe I've been a little harsh about how I've judged United. But, you know, I think one thing about today, and I, I would include at least pre-red card the Arsenal game in this, I don't think any team's pressed us as effectively as United did today. I think they were all over us in a way that I was very surprised to see them execute as well. And I don't know if that's just they've finally worked Casemiro into their system. I don't know if it's, you know, they're just able to effectively pressure us. And, I mean, I, we've always been a little loose for the 3-5-2. I mean, I understand part of why Conte likes the 3-4-3 is it gives them a, a little more stability. But, you know, we were really, we were off it in a way that, even if I think you've been pretty down on Spurs this year, I don't think Spurs have played this badly all season, at least without a red card. No, I mean, uh, look, I actually think United have been pretty good this season. After their first few matches, yeah. After those first few matches, I mean, I think Ten Hag's a good manager, and he's got them pressing really well. He dropped Ronaldo, and he just told the guy to go fuck himself, basically, and uh, he's been successful at it. And then he got Casemiro in, so this was also their best pressing lineup I think they've had. Mm -hmm. All season, it's they the only thing really, Rashford can do because he can't score goals. So they they seemed really fired up. I mean, they were. I thought they were pressing really hard, and um, you know that's a place where I do think not having Decky really hurt. Um, he provides a lot of width. I mean, he really hugs the sideline as a as a player and receives the ball really well. And you could imagine if we were in the 3-4-3, you know, because they were really overloading. And when we were successful at getting the ball forward, it was those balls from Kane sprayed out to to Doherty are the ones I remember, or Perisic getting the ball in space. And you could imagine if we had better personnel out wide that we could have got, you know, pass sideways to get out of their press a little better. But I thought, like, they're just good in since those first few matches, and so they're at home, and 
you know, I I think with Casemiro, I just think they're a pretty good team. Um, so that, that's but we, still, but we still play like shit. I mean, that's unfortunate, but I mean, I think you make a good point because I think something is getting lost. I mean, uh, you know, God knows Spurs fans love some doom and gloom this year, but I think one thing is getting lost is like I would say in the first half. I mean, I'm I'm probably wearing my Homer hat here, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, I think Spurs had the better chances in the first half. We didn't have as many by a long shot. But, like, I, Kane... I don't agree. Well, no, like, Doherty put one right across goal. Kane put one that probably should have scored. There was another one across... Uh, Bentoncourt should have scored. I mean, they had all these, like, kind of weird shots that I don't think really registered in XG. And I think that goes to what Joel's saying. Like, if every time we kind of broke their lines and got in behind, they looked, I thought, very vulnerable. Now, we weren't doing it with nearly enough efficiency because the only player on our, the only two players on our team who can pass are Kane and um, and uh, Kulishevsky. And I do think this is a match where a guy like Kulishevsky would have made a real difference because I think, you know, you get that 3-4-3, and A, I think you're a little more defensively solid. And B, I think just... Kulishevsky can pass and get around guys and give us width, like you were saying, Joel. And I just think we were really missing that today. Because in the first half, despite that sort of frantic 10 minutes, I mean, United had like 19 shots and a little over 1 XG, which I think tells you, I mean, you don't want to give up that many shots. And I think Fred's goal kind of demonstrates why you don't want to give up that many shots. Because sooner or later, they're going to get lucky. But... They were creating a ton of great stuff, and admittedly, some of that's because Rashford sucks. But I mean, I don't know. I, I think Kulishevsky could have changed chances, this one, though. For whatever whatever they amounted to in terms of xG on the shot, like Hugo had to make some pretty athletic saves. Yeah, on some that's of those. fair. Like so, so, so to one uh, to to an extent, I understand your argument. Yes, we limited them to low xG chances, but. They put some amazing shots in from low XG positions. Like, and Hugo had to do a lot more work than I think we would all like. Now, he also made a pretty bad mistake well, and made a bad situation, <laughs> or easy situation bad, but... I, I, I think it was funny how, like, every Spurs fan I was following on Twitter and talking to in our writer's room was like, when Hugo kind of made a mess of that relatively easy shot, everyone was like, oh... Is Hugo done? Is Hugo falling off a cliff? And then he proceeds to stand on his head for the next, like, 20 minutes. And, you know, probably had one of his better matches of the year, which is, you know, unfortunate. But, I don't know. Hugo's about the only player that came out of today's game with any credit, I feel like. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is is I don't know who you can, else you can look at on the field and say they played particularly well today. Um, You know, is... The, none of the midfielders gave you a really good, solid performance. The the wingbacks in Perisic and Doherty didn't do much. Um, Kane is probably the next best player that had that was fine. Um, I thought this was improved from Son from kind of where he was at the beginning of the season. You can see his touches a little tighter. That he's making more of the runs that we expect him and, and getting into the positions. But just, I think the sharpness just wasn't there. And he's still losing the ball at his feet. He's still not getting stuff off. And I'm being a little harsh because we have high expectations after last year, but it's, 
Yeah, and, and I don't know, like, is this the Conte two games in one week thing? Is this tiredness? Is this tactics? Is this home and away? I just, I there's nothing that I can find to really kind of make sense of what we've been doing this season. And, like, because, and I think Joel agreed to this, to the eye test, this team has been really hard to watch. And, but we're still getting good results and we're third place. And I think if you'd have told us we were third place at the beginning of the season, we'd have been like, great! Yeah, I mean, if, I mean, the one saving grace is that if we have been getting the results of a team that I thought we would be, and we can still start playing like the team that I thought we would be, uh, and start and keep getting those results. But we're if we keep playing like this, we're not going to keep getting those results. I just um, it's and I'm about as optimistic as they come. I mean, almost comically so. I mean, and, for a Spurs fan, you're practically yes, Daniel Levy's uh, son. Like, I mean, in terms of optimism, I, I am a Red Sox fan, so I had all the pessimism, and then it got rewarded. So you know, God. there's you, there's a, a a well of optimism that you can build up, but I, you know, I, I it's been really bad. Like, well, and but then but then we started playing well against Everton and Frankfurt. I mean, that's the thing is that for the first time, um, you know, I thought we were pressing really well. We were winning the ball back really well in those two in those two matches and. Um, I, you know, the possession in the Frankfurt match on the on the numbers doesn't look the same, but I think that's, um, you know, a bit of a just how the game went at the end there, you know. But it, against Everton, we we really had the ball. I mean, more than almost any match we've had this season, we had the ball a lot. Um, and of course, they wanted to concede it to us, but I thought we every time we were sort of winning the ball back and getting into those positions and getting um, the ball recycled um you know uh but i think you know today today the thing that felt different is that all season we've been absorbing pressure we've been letting teams shoot from that 20 25 yard position and that's been fine but we had dyer and our whole back line really but dyer especially that they, they, we'd been almost like perfect in the back line for so long in terms of continuously allowing bad shots and not allowing any good shots despite conceding space and possession. And it today it just was like, well, you can't be that perfect. So they had that big chance from Rashford. They had the Bruno chance. Like it's it's one thing to allow, you know, fifteen shots from outside the box that are all point zero four xg or whatever. But Rashford got in behind for a huge chance. They had big chances, and our center backs just, I mean, I think I think it's worth, like, our center backs just haven't been good uh, uh, at all, and I think that stopped some of the counterattacks uh, from getting started. I mean, that's, I feel like we keep trying to start counterattacks and instead turn the ball over to the other team. And I think that's kind of one thing that's kind of gone under the radar yeah. with this team is the weird underperformance of our center backs, or maybe this is just like the performance, like this is the baseline. And then last season was a weird overperformance. I, I don't, again, I don't know uh, which is which. And so like, 
you know, we had last season where Eric Dyer basically played his way back into the England frame. We had Ben Davis look like he could be a competent left-sided center back in the Premier League. We had uh, Romero, who just basically looked like the best defender in the league. And then this year, it's it's been a total regression, well, like across the board. And, and I think Romero is the still one. still good. No, he's still good. But, but he's not where yeah. he was last year. And I think that's been really under, sort of under commented on. And I don't know how much of it's there's something going on or everyone's playing at seventy five percent because of the World Cup coming up. I mean, with Romero, I certainly would believe that if you told it to me. Um, I don't know. It's just it's it's it feels like the whole team is just not clicking. But I think you're right. It's it's not. It's been really sort of underrated uh, that our center backs haven't been great this year. I think. You know, one thing. Well, yeah, our center backs haven't great, but if you look at this team this year, our defense has been pretty good. And like you said, Joel, like we're we're conceding these sort of low xG chances. We're limiting them getting into the box and really creating dangerous stuff, like United was creating today. And I think it was during that there was like a frantic, a really frantic like ten minute period in the first half where United was really getting frisky around the box and old Trafford was going crazy. And I just was, as I was watching the match, I was thinking like, "Mm, this feels different. Like this doesn't, even in a game like like Chelsea, they weren't doing this at least for that long. And like this match felt different um, than a lot of our matches. And I, there is that part of like every soccer fans lizard brain that if, another team is attacking your team, you just start, you're, you just subconsciously start cycling through worst-case scenarios. I don't care how optimistic a fan you are, you do that. Like, a Real Madrid fan is watching Elche on a counterattack against them and thinks, uh-oh, like, what's about to happen to us? And, you know, I think by and large this year, Spurs are much more comfortable with other teams attacking us than, say, we are as fans watching it. Today... I don't want to say it's the first time it's felt out of control. It has it has not felt that out of control for that long. I feel like even if you want to look at like Arsenal away, Chelsea away, those games haven't felt great, but they haven't created that kind of like frantic, sustained pressure that United was able to create today. And that that to me is what's concerning. Yeah. Yeah. I I yeah, it that felt that that frenetic pace around our box felt weird we've been so good at passing off defender you know the defenders at passing off attackers at you know to to keep them wide to keep bodies back to block shots and it didn't feel like we had that control today i mean they look they might just be exhausted the lack of rotation is at some point ridiculous uh, you know, I know we don't have like great subs right now, particularly in attack. We have you know four attackers, two of whom are hurt. But you know, whatever. We at some point you have to if you're gonna just if what play the three four three and rotate the midfielders like in full. Uh, start being doing planned sixty thirties for your wing backs. Um, do something because at least then there's like some energy like I mean look Hoybier and and Benkor are fantastic they have great motors 
give them some rest. Like Skip and I mean, Basuma was not great today, and I know he's struggled with the the patterns and yada yada. Like he's a good midfielder with a lot of range, and Skip is when he comes on, he looks bright in those cameos, and we know he can do the Conte stuff. We've seen him do it. I just sort of like give him give, sixty minutes, give him thirty minutes, like <laughs> just just something like there. I I think. The, the lack of rotation is, I think, part of why it maybe feels tired. Like, there's something that just, and it, this was to Brian's point earlier, the aesthetics of it, it's like, they just, it looks tired. Well, there's there's a few things, I think, that are going on, which I think the shadow hovering over all of this is Arsenal, um, which I think is impossible to get away from. I think if Arsenal was sitting in seventh place, like we would feel a little bit differently about all this. But I think the other thing is, you know, even at our best this year, it doesn't feel like it's clicking. It doesn't feel like it's working. And I think what's so frustrating as a Spurs fan is, especially after, like, you know, we kind of threw our dicks on the table with that, like, Ooh, we've got like a two hundred million bond or whatever the whatever the hell that like cash injection was, and it's like it doesn't feel like we're trying anything. Like, oh well, you know, you were supposed to go out and spend all this money to beef up the team, and all of us were thinking of a title challenge and all this shit. And like, oh well, it's not working right now, and it's not a disaster. I think even after today, it's not a disaster. But the fact that like it's not working and with the exception of like switching between the three four three and the three four uh three five two, which we're really not even doing that much, it doesn't feel like we're trying anything to mix it up or fix it or find something that works a little better, whether that's in terms of formation or tactics or personnel. You know, it feels like we're just trying to we're gonna it's like we're gonna fucking keep doing this and we're gonna keep doing this till it works and you know, when we're playing like this, that's kind of frustrating to watch, and it gets a little demoralizing, especially if you have a game like today. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked about this before, is Conte's plan B is do plan A better. Um, you know, and, you know, okay, we can talk about they We've switched back and forth between the 3-5-2 and the 3-4-3, three, three, and maybe that's one of those is plan B or whatever. But, like, the personnel doesn't really change. The people that we see out there don't really change. The the way that we execute the plan doesn't really change. Like, like we don't have a way to when we go down a goal or we go down two goals to flip the game on its head and do something different. We don't go, all right, we're gonna throw four attackers on there, two in the midfield, we're four, and just play chaos ball. We don't. We just and don't. We did it have, that one time. We did that chaos ball one time against Chelsea, and we got a goal, and then they whooped us for 15 minutes. But it was like an actual plan B to chase a game. It didn't particularly work, but it was like something. Right. Um, That's the only time we've switched to four at the back or, you know, done something weird with what the, what our attackers are doing. Like it, and, and so, look, Conte is an amazing manager and to get this collection of players that, you know, most other managers have had issues with to do what he's doing is great. But now what? Yeah. Like if it does if it's not working at a certain point, what is what is the change? And and just as an a fan, I am not enjoying 
the plan being do my plan better. Uh, I, 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 like Joe said, do if we're going to do the plan and the plan is do it better, let's do it with some guys that aren't tired. Let's do it with some different guys. Like, what is the, what is, and again, I, 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 and I've said this on this podcast, I understand I'm just a fan watching and I don't see Jed Spence in training, but like, what is stopping us from like, Jed Spence, go fucking run at these guys and cause some problems. Like, especially if we're down like 2 nil. Like, fuck it, let's try something different. Like, who, what's the worst that could happen? You could see another goal and you're even further out of this match that you feel like you're a million miles out of? Like, I believe he's not good right now. Yeah, or at least, yeah. Okay, give, but take, take the rest. I mean, I guess, like, Emerson will be back in the next match um, to, you know, like, to whatever effect. And, I mean, I don't want to do Emerson discourse, but, like... Uh, even you don't have that level of optimism. Um, no, I, I am optimistic about the guy comparatively, but, um, you know, I, look, the other thing is we have six league matches until the January window. Um, and you know, the thing that surprised me is that we have not been as good now as we were. Yeah. That's what I can't get last over. Last year, despite, I think, adding Richarlison, who is better than our other players, um, but, you know, I think other players have maybe regressed or or maybe the, you know, a, a summer of video analysts looking at us and saying here are their patterns. Like maybe there's a little bit better scouting of a very sort of predictable well, Joel, way of I'm, advancing the ball. I'm, I'm interested. So you're a different voice on this podcast and we've had this conversation yeah. a few times. So I'm curious as to your thoughts on this because I look, I, I, I look at Spurs – this year, and when we're, if we're diagnosing their problems, it doesn't feel like to me that teams have. Which I'm, again, I'm not saying teams haven't like adapted to us or aren't planning for us, but with the and I think this United match actually felt a little bit different from the rest of this year. It doesn't feel like to me that teams have figured out this one trick or these couple tricks to stop Spurs because that there was a period I want to say in like January or February of last year or of last season. Where it felt like everyone was like press Spurs, they don't know what to do, and like it kind of worked for a while, and then Spurs sort of figured out a way to deal with it. That doesn't feel like what's been going on this year. This match felt a little bit different in that regard. It just, to me, I think our problems this year have been we are not executing for whatever reason. The passing is sloppier, the possession is sloppier, the progression is sloppier. I'm curious what your thoughts are now that I've sort of laid our case out for the fifteenth time. Um, you know, I think it's like. I think I would divide. I actually do think the sort of the best teams that we've been playing on the road sort of have been executing that one weird trick sort of thing. I think they've all targeted us really well. Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, United today. I think they've pressed us well and disrupted our patterns and made it hard for us to progress the ball. Uh, you know, I, then there's the sort of category of the other, like, why aren't we beating up the weaker teams better um, and just really piling it on? And there, I think it's just been we haven't executed. And may, and then we were starting to execute, you know? Yeah. And so that's the thing. So maybe the plan A stuff being, you know, the plan B being do plan A better um, was starting to work against these weaker teams. And, you know, we can get pretty far just beating up on weaker teams um, 
But I do think maybe we've gotten a little predictable in terms of our ball progression patterns. And Conte's solution to being predictable in our ball progression patterns is get better players. Uh, and so, and, and, you know, and he's been talking like that. And so maybe that's the thing. He's like, I'm not going to change. We're going to keep playing this way. We'll take the points against the weaker teams, but we're not near the top, and um, we'll go get better players to do the things that I want to do better in maybe in the winter. Um, you know, look, we you could, we targeted, we uh, left center back and didn't get there, but that's definitely a place where you could imagine us just doing the same things we've been doing, but, oh, hey, the left center back just hit a diagonal 60 yep. yards to advance yep. the ball. Bastoni can get the ball up the pitch a lot better than whoever we have can get, there. Can get the ball up the pitch a lot better and add to, you know, it's like, I, this is like the American football thing, but this is like instead of having Jared Goff, you have Matthew Stafford, and he just has the arm talent to expand the field. And so you're still just doing the same patterns and the same structure, but now it's in a much wider area and so that might just be it's like i'm not going to change i'm not going to do this like get me better players and my patterns will work and i i think that's one thing that we've been i mean everyone has been talking about at least in the aftermath today's game a lot of people have been talking about the the summer transfer window and god knows somewhere ben's ears are perking up um now that we're talking about it but you know, I think one thing that's really hurt us this year is Basuma has taken a while to get on board, which I don't think makes him a failure, but, you know, he didn't get it immediately, and I think we all expected him to hit the ground running in a way that he hasn't. And I think Perisic has been a little, I mean, disappointing is probably the right word. It's certainly less than um, we were expecting, and I think both of those players not contributing more immediately has certainly put a damper on things. Brian, you're muted. Oh, Joel gets the full experience. Feel Damn right. it. Damn it. You know, I was trying to be on good behavior for the new guy. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, no, I think uh, I think Richarlison and Perisic have been uh, about fine. I think there's obviously some some age aging that, that Perisic, and he's gone downhill from the numbers that he was putting up in, in Italy before, but maybe that's some league effect. And also he is just getting older at a position where athleticism is a premium. I mean, you know, I, I think the great thing about Perisic, though, is his set-piece delivery is still yeah. great, and he's still been very useful. Like, his crosses, NBA, I mean, have been incredible. Yeah, he, he has been not as good as we expected, but also a significant upgrade over what we would have played uh, what? Well, Sassignon's played really well this year. But, you know, like, he's been an improvement at that position. He's an improvement over Regulon, I mean, yeah. certainly. Or any other like left back. Significant one. Yeah. 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 Um, so, and, yeah, and I, I'm skeptical about how much business we'll actually do in January, um, just because Daniel Levy still runs the club, and even with a Winter World Cup, you know, I don't think teams in general are, are going to look at the landscape and think of it as being massively changed in the way that I think we as fans will look at it and go, well, obviously this is all different now. And, and 
teams will just be like, no, this is still the same. We're going to do it how we've always done it. And so I don't have any expectations of us being busy in January. I think the thing that can change and that can improve this is healthy Kulisevsky. Yeah. I think that's the big difference between where we've been this season and where we were when we were really clicking last year. Um, He just hasn't played enough minutes this year. Um, Whether that was because we were experimenting with playing Richarlison or whether that was because he came back and was injured, you know, whatever the situation is, I think we've all pretty well come to the conclusion that he needs to be on the field for this to function in the way that it is best able to function. Yeah. I I mean, absent another passer in the team, right? Like, you know, if you have passing from some other source, if you have midfielder that is a a competent passer, if you have, you know, a left center back that is uh, a better passer, um, you know, and and Longley's pretty good, so maybe that even that is not good enough. But he is just the key cog right now for us in terms of ball progression, in terms of progressive passes, in terms of getting our attackers into attacking positions in and around the box. And no one else does that. And we had this sort of stale period last season, post-Conte coming in, pre-Kulisevsky, Bentoncourt becoming really integrated into the team. It was sort of that... um, you know, Conte comes in in November, and we had that great run of form. I mean, we were just kicking ass. Um, and then, you know, um, we stalled out. And, I mean, he was on the team, but before, like, they were really integrated. You know, we we, we had some struggles, I think, getting, um, getting the ball forward, getting into good position, and then we started kicking ass for the rest of the season. And so... Maybe it is like no decky, no party is the is is real, um, and you know I, at the same time I think I think Sessignon has to play more. I think like he's just better than Perisic right now, or we have to go back to trying to play the two of them together and like figuring that out. Um, you know, and and if Richarlison's healthy and Kulisevsky's healthy, like Kulisevsky has to start, and like Richarlison has to come in for one of Kane or Son, like on the dot at sixty minutes, and like let him go run at dudes, or start over Son, and let Son come on, or whatever. There's like there's an energy. I think Richarlison's been above expectations and, for me, and yeah. I think he's been. Not played in the best circumstances. I think getting him out there with Kane and Son is where it would look best. I think Richarlison's been a great addition to the team, honestly. And and the three the Kane Son Richarlison thing is not great. They both they all three of them want to be so narrow. We have like no width, and like that would be one thing if Perisic was still Perisic, and we had a great right wing back who could maintain the width outside. But it just I think that's been part of the problem. Teams can sort of overload and, oh, they've sprung the ball out to Emerson or Doherty or whatever, and and that is, uh, you know, a bit fallow. And, and last year when we had Kulisevsky and it was with Emerson and it was really working, Kulisevsky was the one 
who was hu- hugging the the width and Emerson was coming inside. So when we were creating that five sort of going forward of the three forwards and the two wing backs, it was sort of like one in each position. And that felt like something we have not had that sort of like five going forward is not meshed. And maybe that's where it's like not clicking. And so we need Kulisevsky Emerson can come back and start playing that inside role, driving the ball forward and then giving it to Kulisevsky and letting him do whatever. Uh, but but it's just it's yeah I th- I think the thing <laughs> poor Joel I, I'm glad we got you on I have to talk about such a great experience um, yeah well, well, well uh, Joel I'll tell you what the next time Spurs just totally whip a team's ass I'll make a point of finding you and getting you on well, we for did. that we really whooped Everton we did yeah. we did I know they're not good but like we kicked their ass. Everton had not been on a bad run of form until we played them. They they had got grinded out some decent results before we played them. And you're right. We did beat the shit out of them. Which felt really nice. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and even, I mean, the first half was like whatever against them. But that second half, we just. It felt like. It on. I think you can tell yourself a story about Spurs before this United match of this is a team that is playing at like. I don't, baseline is probably the wrong term, but like they are, like you know, they have just not gotten out of first gear, and once they figure it out, they're going to be good. And maybe you know, you can still tell yourself that story. It's just we have. I don't think we have gotten thoroughly beaten in the way we did today all season. I I don't think even even the Arsenal game pre. I mean, the red card I think changes everything, but even the pre red card in the Arsenal game, I don't think we played this bad. Pre red card in Arsenal, we deserve to be level. Like I have no doubt about that um i i think just overall like you have bad games if we've been beating this if we just i think that's the thing though we we, you have bad games but it's just like we we just have not clicked all year and i think that would be you know we look so good for like the last like two months of the season before and periods before that and it's just I don't understand how you go from that to this is where it, I it, struggle. It's just been a 30th percentile season. Like, like that's how I would, that's how I conceive of it. Like Romero has been had, nursing an injury, was injured for a bit and maybe is protecting his injury a little bit. Like, I do think he seems a little checked out and like we relied on that a lot to let him, you know, he'd be flying around, but he could recover and he is not, I think he, when players get in behind him, he's not the same guy. Uh, Dyer's been a bit sloppy, especially recently. Longley Davies just is maybe giving us a little bit less than we expected. Parasit is giving us a little less than expected. Sassignon's been better than expected. Yeah. I think. Um, that's, I think, the number one, you know, overperformance. But, like, you come into a season, you expect some guys to overperform, some guys to over underperform. And, like, I don't know, of our. 13, 14 most important guys, maybe three are better than expected and 10 are slightly worse than expected. And, like, that's just, like, we're playing a little worse. But, like, I think it will get better because Kulisewski will play. Kane and Son will be a little better. Maybe, you know, Romero gets a little healthier. Like, so, and we have the points that we maybe didn't deserve. So that's, like, going back to what I was saying in the beginning. You know, I think, like, we've... We have the point of the team I expected to be, but we haven't been playing like the team I expect 
us to be, but I expect us to be the team I expected us to be. Well, and, and who knows, because I think there is, you're, I think we're, a, if we're not there yet, we're about to be at the point in the season where everyone's just trying to get through to the World Cup, and who knows what happens after that between injuries and signings and God knows yeah. what. I, I'll take the over on Brian's uh, pessimism. I think we do stuff in the winter window. Um, I, I would, think I'd be very happy to be wrong. I think we left some money on the table rather this summer rather than really stretching to take guys that weren't good enough. I think Conte yeah. sort of seemed to say, like, don't buy guys that aren't good enough. Just, like, wait until they are good enough. And I think we were absolutely ready to make two big-ass signings and we only made one. Um, yeah. And who knows, you know... Um, it, uh, I don't know, Bastoni's contract is what, down to 18 months this January? He's had at least one fight with his manager. I mean, I, uh, I, I'm a little yeah. skeptical they'll sell him, but who knows? Like, even getting, you know, who's that guy at Atlanta um, that we were tied with? Uh, even just getting anyone uh, who the, could the pass kid, the ball. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, Malinowski. No. That's it, yes. Oh, yeah, Malinowski, yeah. Oh, yeah, and I was, yeah, 18 months left on his contract this winter. I don't know. Shit happens. People get disgruntled. Uh, Teams are in seventh and need money and whatever. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, I I just think, like, maybe Baratici does better business in the winter. I know that that sounds ridiculous, but. Yeah, um, who's, I mean. Yeah, can Winston McKinney save our season? Yeah. Yeah. and like, yeah, who who on Juve can we go get? Yeah, There's, is Winston McKenney the man? Like that's that's the real question. So, um, oh God, imagine him in this team. Oh, yeah. Um, I, by the way, Inter are in seventh. <laughs> see, there you go. Yeah, I I just I think to Joel's point, I think that's the thing that that does give me the most hope is that is that I can see this team pl- playing at a higher level. Mm-hmm. And we have all seen it playing at a higher level. And the teams that are ahead of us, Manchester City and Arsenal, are playing at about as high a level as I think we can expect from them. Now, look, City has had some up and downs, but Erling Holland still has 47 goals. Like, uh, you know, I don't think that Arsenal can expect to run this hot for an entirety of the season. I hope that they cannot run this hot for an entire season. Well, you know, Arsenal have reverted to their roots and started paying people in large amounts of money for favorable results. So, uh, at least if the refereeing performance last weekend is any indication. But that's the thing, right? Like, Arsenal are having a season where just, like, every single player is having a 90th percentile season. Like, it's not like it's undeserved or they're not. I think they've been just, like, great and it's really fucking annoying. But... Like it's it's nobody's gone like supernova for them in a way that wasn't expected. It's just like they've all been better than expected, and so they've been great. And like I don't think they'll all play so much better. And and they've been healthy, right? And healthy. not in jail. And not in jail. Um, allegedly. Which, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're definitely not in jail. That's not allegedly. Right. Definitely not in jail. But I just wanted to throw it in there just in case. Oh. Yeah, well, none of us are based in England, so uh, anyway. But yeah, it's a, it's a very, I think you're right. Like, in the way that you would say Spurs should be better than this, you could look at Arsenal and be like, they should be worse than this. Uh, like in terms of, you, you you know, like you said, they're, they're, they're just firing on all cylinders in a way that, I don't know, it's, 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 
it's deeply, fun. deeply annoying, and I would just like us to play better. <laughs> I also think there's a world in which we just continue this all year, and we do yeah. this same sure. fucking show every fucking week, <laughs> and at the end of the season, we <laughs> still finish four. Please don't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. sure, that'd be great, too, but, like, please... Can we just start playing well at some like, point? You know, we get to the end of the season and it's like, oh, is Newcastle going to catch them? Or maybe Liverpool's going to make a push and like, whatever. But we still finish fourth. And then we look back and we go, eh, all right. Go out in the, the second, first, second round of the Champions League. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. You know, you lose to some, some, you get drawn against like Bayern or something. And you're like, all right, then, yeah, well, all we right, would, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you make a deep run in one of the the domestic cups and you just go. So it, it's a Tottenham season, guys. <laughs> so looking at, at to win a fucking cup. So yeah. looking at this team right now, and admittedly, this is maybe not the best day to have this conversation, but we're, let's do it anyway because we need to fill time on a podcast. How are you feeling about Conte as Spurs manager right now? I think in the lead up to this game, in the period in which we've been having this conversation about that, Things have been kind of getting better and slowly inching towards where we'd like it to be. There have been a lot of talk about Conte getting a contract extension. Uh, how are you feeling about Conte as Spurs manager going forward? I feel lucky to have him and want to keep him around for as long as possible. I find him really frustrating in-game. I mean... The lack of subs are very frustrating. The lack of a plan B is very frustrating. Uh, I also felt that way about Pochettino. Uh, He was extremely frustrating, and he developed a plan B over time, I think, better than he had, but he was a great manager who was very frustrating in-game. I mean, I maintain no manager is good at substitutions. I think that, like, I I think... No manager's good at substitutions. (laughs) Some managers are better at tactical adaptation within a game than I think um, Conte is. But all of the stuff that we don't see, he's great at. And players love playing for him. And he's a star. I mean, like, you know, as managers go, he's really great. He's a draw to other players. And, you know, I do think if we sign better players and keep Antonio Conte we'll have a great team you know the I know what the alternative looks like to Antonio Conte and like it's not great Uh, and in a world where City have Pep and Liverpool have Klopp and I can't believe I'm saying this Arsenal have Arteta and and frankly United have Ten Hag, who I think is really good. Like, we need a great manager, and we have a great manager, and I would love him to stay for as long as he wants to stay or until all the players decide they hate him because they can't keep doing these patterns anymore. And or so, until Ryan Mason is ready because... There you go. Um, but I just, like, as frustrating as I found him today and as much as I, like you know, make a fucking sub, Antonio, do some rotation. Like, that's a problem I will accept. Because, it's like, it's still, you can see a plan when they're out there. Like, there's a thing. Today excluded. I think today was a difference. But barring today, I would agree with that. Yeah. But, like, you know, I, I really do think it's, like, he, he sees, like, I'm going to keep doing this thing, and I need better players to open up more pieces of the network. 
and I hope to get to see it. I guess my worry is our ability to sign those guys. Brian, does that concern you? Uh, yes and no. So, like, when you say ability to sign, I think financially we can afford oh. just about everyone bar, you know, Mbappe, Neymar, you know, those guys. If you mean ability to sign in the terms of will Daniel Levy actually spend the money, then yes, I, I, I'm with you. I, I mean, more are we more like is Paratici going to be able to sign those guys for one reason or another? I think it's probably more about scouting than. Look, if you let's use Bestoni as an example. If the price for Bestoni is sixty or seventy million, I have no doubt that we are both willing to pay that transfer fee and pay his wage demands if Paratici and Conte say this is the guy that makes this work. I I doubt, however, that you know that that Levy is going to listen in in that regard or relinquish that control. I I know that we've like progressed to this point where Paratici is supposed to be over all of these football operations and he is supposed to be the guy that is doing this and Daniel Levy is supposed to be taking a step back. But he still holds the purse strings. And like whether we can do it is different than whether we will do it. And I, I you know look, we, we did really good signings with Bentoncourt and Kulisevsky, but those were also like weird bargain sort of deals. I really struggle to see us finding or, or, or going out there and getting like that big name guy that makes this work. Like maybe we get some better players that are bargains. Like, I don't know. I think Malinowski only has like six months left on his deal now. I think he only had a year left this summer. Um, you know, there, there are other guys that are out there that we could sign that would, you know, make a difference or give us a different option. But I, I, I just don't know. I, 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 I have no. I mean, we plunked down sixty million or whatever it was on Richarlison, and we plunked down fifty on Romero, and you know, I, I think I don't know if Conte like players want to play for Conte. We ha- we're rich now. You know, one of the ten richest clubs in the world, maybe twelve, because Newcastle or whatever. Um, but I think, I think there's, you know, with a big seven, I have no sort of. I I think we'll spend the money. We just have to go get identify and go get the players and um, maybe be a little desperate. Like you know, uh, well, and if that's the case, the, the way we spend money on Richarlson makes me feel better about that particular yeah, thing. Yeah. It's just sort of like, and I, I think it's you know, as much as we've litigated it, I think it's a little too early to say about this summer signings. But like, you know, Paratici's three best signings are ex Juve guys, which on some hand, you know, like he deserves credit for it on some level because he scouted and found those guys in the first place. But, you know, I think that's where a lot of Spurs fans get nervous, is, like, we, we sort of pluck them all from one team, so it's, like, where are his original ideas? Now, I think you can look at Richarlson, and the fact that we went out and got Basuma and all these other guys is, you know, encouraging. Um, you know, the fact that they some of these guys haven't fired immediately for us is neither here nor there. But Also, people should go watch Udinese, my boyhood club, because Udoji is just, he's really good. Like, 
he is going to be a star, and I, that signing was great. And uh, I like he's going to honestly. I think he would be our starting left back if we could just right now. find a right wing back who I like. Like if you told me like, hey Greg, here's seventy million euros. Like go f- buy a right wing back. Like I'm not sure who it would be because like. There's not a lot of great right wing backs in Europe right now, and which isn't to say again, this is Paratici's job. He has scouts. They should like he should have a better knowledge of this than I do. But there's not, you know, and Udoji's a great example of something like this, where like I wouldn't have been able to pull that guy's name out of a hat, um, you know. And they found like a really promising young player. He's, I mean, obviously he's a left wing back, but that's a little different. And you know, it's just it's frustrating because like you do feel as much as Doherty and. Uh, and Emerson really offer us certain things. Like, if you just had a right wing back who could do those things, it would make a lot of difference on this team yes. right now. The number of possessions that you see the space, the ball goes over there, it's like, hell yeah, we've got something going, and then it just dies. It's you know, I, I'll give Doherty this. He had those Doherty things. Like, that might be the one thing he does really well, but he at least, like, he gets in the box and makes a move. and He does, but you want that, like, Yes. You know, like the, the yes. skill that Perisic has with the explosiveness that he used to have and maybe could still have, but like that's what you want when the ball goes out there and to like create that space. And like there are great wing, right, wing backs. It's just that they like all play for our rivals or PSG, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. Well, that's what I mean. They're not available. Yeah, is what I meant by that. Available. It's like the one position that's like so not available. It's like Trent Alexander Arnold, Reese James. Uh, you know, Cancelo, um, you know, just like all of these amazing players on the right wing that could be incredible, like Hakimi, like they just like they're just so not available. And when you like go, like I've looked, you like go to transfer market or whatever, and you like look at right backs and wingers, and it's just like <laughs> Emerson is like right there, like as like the yeah. one of the best it's, available it's, guys. You're gonna find like some random dude on Genoa or whatever, or you're gonna. Just do it. Go, live with what you got. It feels like, and you know, I'm not saying there's not some guy at that level that you can't find, but like it's part of the problem with Conte. Like uh, again, like I'm not saying Jed Spence is ready for prime time. I think he's probably still adapting to the team and Conte's patterns. But like you know, there's a guy who certainly has the physical traits to do what we're talking about, and you know, he's clearly not ready for in one way or another. And you know, it's. <sighs> It's frustrating. I wish we still had Kieran Tripp here, honestly. (laughs) You want want ball progression and passing. There you go. Uh, I mean, he'd be crossing the ball really well. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He'd hit those cross-field passes really well. And then, I mean, you wouldn't get a lot of running. Can you just imagine him and and Parasic tracking back at the same time? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, mean, not ideal. (laughs) But this is, look, this is why Conte's thing is converting you know, attacking wingers into wingbacks because, like, fullbacks who can, who are great defenders who can do the attacking stuff are just $100 million players. And, uh, you know, so taking a failed winger, like, I don't know, Adama, and making them, like, a great right wingback is, like, that's what he's done because it's just a much better, a more efficient way to identify the players that do the things he wants. So, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, he has Lucas already. 
I mean, I, except right? who might not like, be able to run anymore. Yeah, that's also possible. Yeah, he he did look um, very. I don't know if slow is the right word, but he just did not look as explosive when he came on. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that could be, it's his first game back, and he came in in this 80, 75th minute or whatever the hell it was of, like, a game that was pretty much over. Um, I did have, like, that dribble right up the middle. Like, yeah, there was a, like, part of my brain that was, like, if Lucas scores a hat trick right here, that would be the funniest fucking thing that ever <laughs> happened in world football. But, um, of course, he doesn't have that in him anymore. Uh, he's past his prime, and giving Neymar tax breaks, you know, like his hero. But, um, yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. Uh, I, I hope we can recover from this. I hope it was just a bad matchup and we were ill-prepared. I mean, this team feels like it needs a bit of a boot off its ass. Maybe today was what they needed, I, I hope. I don't love playing Newcastle right after this because nope. they're pretty good and people are going to start freaking out if they... Start freaking out. No, there's going to be something extra <laughs> in terms of... Like, like, oh my god, they're, you know, on our ass and they're going to pass us and yada, yada, yada. Is it but, is it awful that I want Spurs to play well right now, not because I want Spurs to play well, just because I want certain people to shut up and, like, stop being so fucking miserable all the time? Greg, do, have you, you should, like, tell your therapist, like, this sentence about yourself. I have. Like, I, I, I have talked to my therapist about this, Joel. <laughs> I talked to my therapist for 50 minutes about Tottenham Hotspur after the Champions League final three years ago, or whatever the uh, hell it was. That just, just the, the, the sense of, um, of, of the way you're driven by resentment <laughs> of other people is really defined. You, so you grow up hating the Yankees, that. and it like just makes you feel a certain way about, other te- about fans in general. So. But, but also, I totally get it. Like, yeah. So much of, like, somebody's wrong on the internet, and it's annoying me, and, like, I just want them to be proven wrong. Like, yeah, totally. Well, because it's this, uh, like, it's mixed in with this, like, like, I joke a lot, you know, like, you know, son doesn't do something right, and in our writer's room, I'm always like, son, you donkey. Is what I'm saying every time he does that. But, like, there's people who actually believe this. Yes. And, like, that's what kind of, like, winds me up. Like, there's things to be frustrated about. Don't get me wrong. But there's people who just feel like they're looking for reasons to be angry and have, like, just developed these, you know, insane arguments in their head that Tottenham just are reinforcing in ways that I wish they wouldn't. Um, so, yeah, it's my, it's my strange resentments are not being served well by the way Spurs are playing right now. Yeah. I don't want to apologize to my therapist. <laughs> so. There's plenty of time for that. Yeah. On that note, uh, I think it's time to wrap this bad boy up. Uh, Brian, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at, on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That is Brian with a Y. Joel, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Wertweil. That's uh, W-E-R-T Weil. Uh, or, you know, at my law firm. <laughs> so if you want to sue another Spurs fan or, you know, you Manchester go. United or, you know, Saudi Arabia, just, like, contact y'all. <laughs> so. That's right. 
Uh, you can f- find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079, uh, having extremely healthy uh, mental health thoughts about Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, that one got away healthy from me. Mental health. Yeah, you know, you know, it's late in the podcast. No one, no one's listening. No one's listening to this, Brian. It's fine. Uh, so for Joel, for Brian, uh, for men- healthy mental health thoughts about Tottenham Hotspur, I've been your host, Greg. Oh, also for Brett Rainbow, uh, I've been your host, Greg. And uh, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>